on guard. Pray. Ale. Welcome to the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. It's episode 38 and uh, we get to talk about Sabre qualification for Tokyo by ranking, which is now complete as a result of the Budapest World Cup held at the weekend. I'm Karen Bashir. Joining me as always, uh, the guru of the qualification spreadsheets, it's Dave Baker. Dave, uh, how are you first? Uh, really happy to have had a full week of fencing uh, behind us that didn't realize quite how much I missed it until until it was back so yeah very happy yeah me too uh, and, and a lot to dissect so uh, let's get stuck straight into it um, let's start with the the women's situation there before uh, going into Budapest we knew that uh, Russia France and Italy had all qualified in the top four uh, in the team rankings Korea were also in the top four uh, not guaranteed their spot in the top four but qualified definitely through their Asian spot the USA had also qualified the Pan American zone spot and China and Tunisia held their respective places uh, in their zonal spots. In the individuals, uh, and of course this was all subject to change, uh, the two additional European places were with Karlan of Ukraine and Gutura of Greece. Uh, Japan's Imura and India's Bhavani Devi held the two Asian spots, and then it was Page of Canada with a Pan-American spot and Hafez of Egypt with the African spot. So Dave, Really uh, strange to do this the wrong way round, if you like, because the individual event happened first. But it, it, it's certainly better for the purposes of a a more easily understandable podcast to start with the teams, don't you think? Um, and uh, for that reason and that reason only, let's go there. I'm going to start with Tunisia because that was probably something that we could we could factor in very early in the day. Yeah, yeah. First, first match of the day, uh, eight o'clock in the morning UK time. We got up to watch uh, Tunisia Egypt, uh, basically knowing that if Tunisia beat their uh, North African rivals, uh, they would go to the Olympic Games, and it was close. But they did, they did win, uh, which means that Tunisia qualified sixteenth, uh, which is more than enough uh, to squeeze into into those uh, those required qualification places, and I mean the the impact of that is it takes away that sort of extra or bonus place that would yeah. have been there for some of the more highly ranked teams had there not been an African team inside the top sixteen. So that that was that was the start of the day, and that really did put a lot of pressure um, on on sort of teams ranked four to to six because uh, one of them wasn't going to go to the Olympic Games. Yeah, interesting, wasn't it? Because, I mean, you had the sort of uh, the Asian conundrum, the Asian story, uh, China wanting to, Korea to stay in the top four so that China picked up the Asian spot. And then that uh, ding-dong battle between uh, Hungary and Ukraine uh, for the the only remaining spot that needed to be clarified, and that was the European spot. So, uh, well, talk us through what happened. Oh, it was, it, was, it was just compelling, wasn't it? I think in both the men's and the women's team day. Um, so we had some wonderful last eight matches and actually one in particular um, really defined what was going to happen. And we had that fourth versus fifth Korea versus Ukraine. If Ukraine win, uh, then that puts them both uh, a lot of pressure on Hungary to overtake them. But then also that potential to push Korea outside of the top four, which would be good news for Hungary and very bad news for China in the end. And I mean, Korea was superb all day. Um Korea did enough to uh, to beat Ukraine despite having, you know, world number one Olga Karlin uh, on that Ukraine team. 
and that meant uh, we all got sewn up pretty quickly. So even though Hungary lost to Italy, uh, and even though China had a terrible day losing to Georgia, um, it was all sewn up. Uh, so Korea, by virtue of beating Ukraine, were confirmed in the top four. Ukraine then couldn't get the points to challenge Hungary. So even though Hungary lost in the eight, they were qualified for the Olympic Games. So, and they were pretty happy about it too, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was a. It was actually pretty one way in the end for uh, for Korea over. Uh, over Ukraine in that quarterfinal. And, uh, well, the Italians just pulled away at the end. And interesting, the Italians went on to beat the French team, who've been super strong recently. But uh, there was a bit of um, a bit of playing around with both teams, wasn't there? Bowser coming in for the French and uh, Battiston coming on for the Italians. So there's still a bit of tinkering going on in, uh, in teams that had already qualified. Absolutely. And I think that's going to be... Uh that's going to have to be the name of the game. We don't know how many events there are going to be before the Olympic Games. As, as obviously now as they know they're qualified, they've got to think about which three and four fences they send to the games. Obviously, they could select anyone they like. So it's um, it's it, that's going to be very interesting. But I really thought the story of the day was that exceptional uh, result by the Polish team yeah. who um, who had no chance of qualifying coming in uh, to the to the event. It was it was not just a participation trophy for them. Uh, but, you know, defence with such heart and beat some incredible teams along the way and win. Uh, I'm not sure if it's their first gold medal uh, at a World Cup ever in women's sabre, but it's certainly in a long time. Uh, and that I think that really interesting mix of youth and experience in that team. You know, a couple of young kids went really well. And, you know, we're only two and a half years away from the next qualification period, right? So mm. they could be a really interesting force um, for the future, having been just outside that qualification, not really challenging all year, um, I think well, two years, I guess, with the pandemic. Um, but just being just outside, um, if they can start converting some of those last eight finishes into medal positions, they'll be really difficult um, for some of these more established teams in two and a half years' time. And the coach has got a bit of a head scratcher going on because, like you say, all all three of uh, Vata, Matashak, and Puda all fenced really well, especially in the final. Um, and only one of them can go to the zonal qualifier in Madrid. Uh, but more on that later. So uh, the teams balanced themselves out fairly early on. By the time the quarterfinals were, were done, we, we knew who was going by team. And that is, congratulations to all eight teams, uh, Russia, Italy, France, Korea in the top four, Hungary, USA, China, and Tunisia picking up the zonal places. Uh, so all settled uh, means that, uh, what, last... Olympic Games team silver medalists not going to Tokyo. Amazing. Amazing. You would have thought that they would have been locked in um, at the start of the uh, start of the campaign, but I guess be a very strong Italian team, that French team, a bit quirky, but have done done the job. Um, and, and I guess that's that, that benefit of Korea pushing, pushing themselves into the top four means that necessarily a European team misses out. And unfortunately on this occasion, it was Ukraine. Yeah. But uh, the good news for Ukraine was uh, Karlan was already basically qualified uh, via the individual route, so we knew that she was going to pick up hers. So if we flick back, what was it, a day earlier, two days earlier, uh, to the individual. Um, how did things pan out there? I mean, let's start with uh, uh, the Pan American zone um, because Gabriella Page went out uh, before the 64. Yeah, absolutely. But thankfully uh, for Gabby, no one else followed her, so I think we knew on the prelim day, I think we knew on Thursday evening that she qualified for the Games. So many congratulations to her. 
Perez Maurice technically could have done it, but I think what needed a silver. Yes, that's true. Did she make the 64? She did. She, she uh, did, yeah. Uh, there she, we go. Then, yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember the timings of the tweets. I got lots of tweets coming in for people qualifying all weekend. So she must yeah. have been a Saturday tweet, not a Thursday tweet. Yeah, yeah, she was. Uh, she did make it through, but it was going to be a big ask anyway. Um, what about uh, the African zone? Hafez uh, came in leading that. Was there any threat to her place? Yeah, I mean the risk was uh, only only an Egyptian colleague of, of Noah Montessor, uh, and yeah, didn't didn't get there. So uh, Hafez maintained that nearly four point, no, exactly four point gap, uh, and qualifies through the individual route and. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, and I guess as well, did their did their Tunisian uh, neighbours a favour as well the next day by um, uh, by not not uh, not beating him in the team event. So <laughs> yeah. Plenty plenty of North African representation. Yeah, very much so. And uh, in the Asian battle, Imura was leading a sort of uh, what a three way Japanese tussle for uh, for for one of the Asian places, but she wasn't really challenged, was she? No, it was it was a, it was Emura versus Tamura all year. Maybe Fukushima. I think we've been saying that uh, eight times now, Bash. Um, mm. and, and in the end, yeah, Emura comes through uh, over Tamura. Not a good day for the Japanese uh, uh, female sprinters. And uh, right, the, I, I think the story of qualification in women's saber, apart from Ukraine not making it uh, through the team route, um, the second Asian place, uh, all reliant on 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 many things happening in the team event, but really it was Korea staying in the top four that uh, that gave well gave us a history making story. Yeah, absolutely. Bhavani Devi uh, is the first uh, Indian to qualify for an Olympic Games in this modern era where you do need to qualify. Uh, for the games, and uh, yeah, it's a sort of pri- uh, five-year uh, project working working with a coach you know quite well, Bash. Mm. Um, and yes, has has qualified. Had a bit of a nail biter. Needed Korea to do the work for her uh, in the team event to to secure their place in the top four, opening up another place for Asia. Uh, yeah, and yes, that place does go to Bhavani Devi from India. Yeah, congratulations to her and uh, Nicola, her coach, uh, Zanotti. Very, uh, very good. And a, an incredible story that perhaps is only really at the start and perhaps Vivani Devi is going to be the catalyst that sees um, the rise of Indian fencing. And, and, and uh, you know, it's worth making note of the fact that when they came over here uh, for the for the Commonwealth uh, uh, up in the northeast, I had a, a, a lot of chats with a lot of the coaches and they came with a big entourage. There, there were lots of them there. And... A lot of them were saying that the, the fences, the, the developing fences of learning the trade by watching YouTube. They're watching YouTube and that's how they're picking up basic technique. And then they get to the coaches and the coaches obviously learning uh, as well from uh, watching lots of live coverage. So, I mean, just this is the beginning of potentially a massive story for a, an, a huge nation by population potentially emerging onto the international stage. So that's uh, that's something uh close to my heart as well dave uh, my yeah. my father is from kerala so uh, yeah. it's uh, it, it's lovely to see to see an indian qualify uh, but moving back to, to europe uh, Karlan, we knew uh, was going to go through the individual route if ukraine didn't qualify but there was still a bit of a tussle between guntura and uh, bianca pascu and pascu you know has had uh, pre covid uh, and the, and the restrictions and the hiatus from competition she was she was on reasonably good form but she just didn't challenge. Yeah, it, it, it was it was tough because again with that European place getting getting taken away. Uh, let's say that how the Europeans feel about it to to an Asian place. Um, it meant that that 
then with Olga taking that, Olga Carlin taking the first individual European place, you had our two bronze medalists at the World Championships effectively fighting for that final place. Um, and Dora Contreras had been slightly better all season. Bianca Pascu had some work to do. Um, and yeah, unfortunately going out in the 32 um, and Contreras making the 16, uh, that's enough. And now it actually looks pretty comfortable, but at the time it was very close. Uh, but yes, yeah, Dora Contreras goes through uh, from Greece uh, to take our second European place. So, uh, you know, an incredible story there that's been bubbling away, but in the end, uh, all sorted out very quickly. And uh, and interestingly enough, uh, Sarah Bowser of France, who fenced in the French team uh, in a mix around uh, that uh, Durrell, the coach, put into the team match, actually had a bearing on those uh, qualification places in both Pan Am and Europe because uh, it was Bowser that took out uh, Perez Maurice in the 64. And Bowser, who uh, well took apart Bianca Pascu in the thirty-two, uh, oh, so it's yeah. Uh, yeah, amazing how uh, the stories interweave. Um, so uh, just a just for being thorough, the the qualification by individual uh, go to Carlan Contura, Imura, uh, Bavani, Devi, Page, and Haves, and that's women's saber qualification by rankings done and dusted but that's not it of course uh let's uh, just have a little peek into the zonals dave the zonal qualifications coming up next month i think all but one of them is confirmed location and date um you've got a fancy pascu in the european zonal placings yeah absolutely europe's probably and i think this will be a familiar theme europe is definitely the um say the most most uh, competitive uh, would be the best way to put it. But, yeah, we've got uh, Pascu, maybe uh, Navarro from Spain mm. would be a contender, maybe Limbach, Germany, Anabashta, Azerbaijan. Um, and then we said all those all those Polish girls which um, who fenced so well on the um, on the Sunday, uh, they can only send one of them to zone a qualifier, but that will there's certainly be a challenge there. So I think we've got at least five uh, strong fences all competing for that one European place. It's probably less competitive um, across across the other... Across the mm. other nations, I guess Asia will naturally be less competitive just because of that extra place. Sarah Bay maybe from Kazakhstan or Lam from Hong Kong, maybe. Mm. Uh, Pan Ams, uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a few fences you would have heard of down there all fencing for that one place. That's a bit stronger this time around because there's only one Pan Am place in the individual qualification route, not two. So we've got Perez Maurice, Argentina, uh, Benitez Romero from mm. uh, Venezuela, uh, Eileen Grinch from uh, Panama. Of course, yeah. So um, and maybe even Natalia Boteo from uh, Mexico, Mexico as well. So so there's actually quite a few interesting Pan Am uh, qualifiers there as well. And, and yeah, probably the best chance out of the African zone. The only one inside the top hundred is Kaylee from Algeria. But again, that could that could anything could happen there. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, certainly good. Okay, so that's uh, women's saber uh, dealt with. Uh, let's move on to the men's saber scenario. Uh, going into the competition, uh, we knew that uh, Korea, Italy, Hungary had qualified as top four teams. Germany were in the top four, but could only potentially drop down into the top European spot. So were also by virtue of that qualified for the Olympic Games, along with Iran, who uh, took the Asian place or already confirmed the Asian place, the USA with a Pan Am spot and Egypt with uh the uh african spot so really uh in in that respect it was it was just a tussle between uh russia and france and to whether germany could stay in the top four but realistically they were only going to be overtaken by another european team um so 
it's it's seemingly quite simple dave what happened it was yeah and it, and it was bash i mean it was one of those ones where we didn't have too much to think about but at the same time it got it got very exciting very quickly so we were I had a number of screens up. I don't know about you, but I had sort of France versus Germany on on one side and then across the hall, Italy versus Russia on the other. And it was the most incredible set of fights. I mean, so topsy-turvy. I think all four teams were in the lead at one point, all went down to sort of 40-42, 40 40-43. 40, um, but in the end, it all got resolved reasonably quickly. So Russia got a couple of hits in a row, finished and won 45-43, that means France needed to win and couldn't. Uh, so Germany beat France and then it was all over. So Russia mm. goes on to um, not just not just win qualification, but um, go on to win the competition. Yeah. I've got to, you know, congratulations to everyone. With, with, with nothing other than wanting the story to carry on so we had more exciting stuff to watch, there was the potential for, uh, for France and Russia to face off against each other, potentially in the either the bronze medal match or the, in the final, if I'm, if I'm right. Absolutely, yeah. So they're on other sides of the draw. So they could, they could have only, I guess that's probably better for the spectacle, they could have only met on the podium, you know, being on, you know, if they're in different halves of the draw, you can only meet at the pointy end. Um, so, yes, so there was, there was always that, they had a number of messages going, oh, it's going to happen, isn't it? We're going to have mm. Russia-France bronze medal to decide who goes to the Olympic Games. And that was, that, if they'd both made the bronze match or both made the final, it would have been a playoff for the Olympic Games, so yeah, unfortunately that that didn't happen. Um, but I think I think even more interestingly is that we haven't we haven't seen a French um, men's saber team at the Olympics for some time now. Yeah. So they won Beijing, two thousand and eight, but we haven't seen them since. So they missed qualification in London, twenty twelve. There wasn't men's saber teams in Rio. Thankfully, not a problem this time because we've now got twelve weapons. But you know we're going to go. What is it? Sixteen years. Without a men's, you know, until we, we see a men's saber team from France at the, at the Olympic Games, I find that incredible, truly incredible. Well, they they better sort it out because the next Olympic Games is in Paris. So, yes. uh, so I think they'll get a team there one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think you're right. Uh, it's, I think it's interesting as well because it, 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 the the thing the thing about it is that they've got strong fences, mm. but they just haven't they just haven't recently had a a strong enough third and probably arguably more more importantly a strong enough fourth um and that's 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 been the, the problem for them but uh but nonetheless they, they, they didn't qualify by team in fact the the final standings in the team rankings korea hungary italy and germany in the top four uh russia iran usa and egypt picking up the zonal places and interestingly russia coming into some form finally and winning the competition I, yeah, that they'll they'll be they'll be. I think we were saying it all day Sunday. Is there's some team matches that I'm quite looking forward to in Tokyo, and this was a nice little little appetizer for the main event. Mm, mm. They beat, beat beat Germany in the final. Germany also looking incredibly strong, and it was an an amazing uh, bronze medal match as well. A repeat of uh, a, a little match that uh, some people may remember from the the Budapest World Championships at Korea versus Hungary. Yeah, we actually, I think the referees might have survived this time as well. So, uh. <laughs> Yes, quite. Uh, so that was the team sorted out. Uh, again, we flipped back a couple of days uh, to uh, the individual. Uh, we, we knew uh, going in that if France didn't qualify, Apathy was going to qualify through the individual route. And we knew that Bazadze, uh, Sandro Bazadze of Georgia had also uh, 
pretty much well had secured uh, his place uh, one way or t'other. Um, going into the competition, the Asian zone, Zhu of China and Rishida of Japan held the two Asian spots. Uh, Gordon of Canada held the Pan Am spot and Fajani of Tunisia, who's very highly ranked and uh, a fast developing uh, young Tunisian athlete at all but secured the African spot. So what happened in the individual? Maybe maybe, maybe we start with uh, the second Asian place because it's certainly the most, it's the most interesting. Mm. Um, so Yoshida was out um, on the first day. So that really did open the door for, for one fencer in particular. I don't think Vu was there. I don't think any Vietnamese were there. So it was, it was really our Shamlan's chance to overtake Yoshida. And unfortunately for him, needed a 16, which is... Not easy, no. um, but did quite well, got quite a good draw, um, uh, fenced uh, in the 64 to, to beat uh, and beat an Egyptian that had won all these pool fights. Um, so basically had one match in the last 32 to decide whether he would qualify for the Olympic Games directly. It was pretty tense, um, but not an easy draw. So he had Anstert from France. Um, that's, that's, I mean, I, I can't imagine there's too many easy draws in the last 32 of a senior men's mm-hmm. Sabre World Cup. Um, but that's that's not a good one. Um, and it was close. He was ahead by a couple of touches, um, went into the break pretty close, but, yeah, lost lost 15-12, uh, went out in the last 32, which means that Yoshida qualifies over El Shamlan by half a point, um, which is pretty tough, I'd say. Um, that, that's not a lot of fun. No, over, over such a, well... A truncated or punctuated period of qualification. That must have been very painful indeed. Just half a point. Uh, so let's, let's round off uh, Asia then. Uh, the, there was a bit of a Chinese battle going on. Yeah, Wang wasn't there. So that was that made that quite easy. Um, I think China only sent three athletes. Um, and so Zhu was, Zhu of, was there. Xi Wang wasn't there. So um, well, he didn't do particularly well i think he finished in the um finished in the 64 you did um but yeah that was enough um just needed to see off uh his competitor wang who was another competition so that made things very easy from the chinese side um yeah. so he'll be going to the games and you uh, went out in the 64 to to faraz fajani who oh. went on to ah. make the 16 uh actually he had a very tough uh, couple of fights 15 14 against Zhu and then 15 14 against yan the, the another chinese athlete uh before going down to enrique bere uh in the 16 and, and that that absolutely secured fajani's spot for, uh, yes. so that that's uh, asia and africa sorted out um now I've got to be honest, I didn't see what happened to uh, Charles Gordon, the Canadian who came into the competition with uh, holding the Pan Am spot. He he was he, he made it into the 64, uh, but I don't think he got any further, did he? No, no, finished in the 64. And I think I think that might be the one I was thinking of that maybe qualified on the um on the on the preliminary day. I don't think there were too many people that could catch him. I think it was only um his teammate. Plus wasn't Afak- it? Yeah, Plosifakis maybe. Um, he went out to, I watched it, uh, Aberdeen, went out to Aberdeen. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, yeah, Chuck Gordon's qualified, uh, taking, taking that, uh, baton of Canadian men's saber from Pulosifakis who's held it, held it for some time. 
So there you got it. Uh, with France not qualifying, uh, well, I mean, we didn't know this at the time or for sure, but Apathy picks up uh, one of the European spots along with Bazadze, who'd already secured it going in. Fajani did so well, but he was pretty much nailed on to take the African spot. Gordon had qualified by the time we got to the 64, and Zhu and Yoshida held on to their places. So qualification by ranking for men's sabre complete as well. Um so let's have a look at those zonals then. Uh, let's start with let's start with the easy ones. Uh, Pan Am. Is it that easy? I'm not sure it's that easy. Um, <laughs> this is, I think the real question is. So I mean, the favourite I'd say probably would be an Argentinian fencer. Um, and so whether that's Pascal Dutella or Stefano Lucchetti, uh, both of them reasonably highly ranked, I think really only separated by their results at the Pan Am Championships. So that would be the question. Um, but, I mean, there's, there's options there. I mean, looking down my list, you could have uh, even even some slightly off-piste ones. Teddy Weller from the Virgin oh, Islands yes, could be quite course. interesting. Yes, um, yes. But, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount any of those. There's a couple in the top top 100. So, um, but, yeah, led by, by Zaya from Mexico, who I'm not familiar with. But, no, I, that's a... I don't, I don't have a simple answer for you on Pan Ams, but yeah, I'd say Argentinian fences are highly ranked. But again, that's just based off their results at the Pan Am Championships. So it's not exactly a, um, they're well seated, but are they the best fencer there? I'm not entirely sure that's the case. Yeah, interesting. Uh, okay, Africa then. I, I mean, Kate has got to be, got to be a hot tip uh, from, from Senegal um, inside, inside the top, in the top uh, 100. But, Again, it's, it's a similar sort of problem. There's, they're not as many uh, of those fences going regularly on the circuit, so it's very hard to uh, very hard to judge. But I'd say Kate is probably a favourite from Senegal. Uh, well, the, the, the Asian situation is probably quite an interesting one as well, isn't it? Because it's, uh, again, a bit of an open field. That's that's actually the one I'm looking forward to most, to be honest. Um, Vu uh, Tranan from Vietnam is very strong. Great fencer. Had he been able to attend all the events this year um, or this qualification season, I'd say he probably could have put in a and probably even got past Yoshida. Uh, but you know, unfortunately, that, that wasn't the case. Um, Al Shamlan obviously got got so close mm. um, to displacing Yoshida, so he'll be there. There's also Mokretov, um, yes, former former Russian, now Kazakh, uh, and he was in Rio 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, and there's some strong fences as well. So that that Asian uh, place, that one Asian place, will be very hard fought. Yeah, could be a double whammy of disappointment for our family yeah. getting so close. But uh, like you say, Vu is uh, you know incredibly talented. We just don't see enough of him. Um, but yeah, that that will be interesting. And, and then uh, look, I mean, who would want to compete in the Asian in the European zonal spot? Well, it's never it's never the easiest competition, is it? There's, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of even even though we do a couple of rounds of qualification, there's still some incredible fences left. Um, I don't I don't have a view on which Romanian fencer would be there. There's a, the, there was a young one, Tira Dosiu, who did quite well. Did he make the eight? I think Tira Dosiu is, is has has given himself a very very good chance of making uh, making the selection for yeah. for Romania. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So he would come in as as, as the highest ranked non-selected fencer. Um, interestingly, quite a few inside, or just on the cusp of the top fifty, Will Deary from GBR uh, would be the next highest fencer. 
uh, Andrei Yagoda, Ukraine, um, you'd heard of. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of others that are, that are certainly well inside the top 100. Um, Yildirim from Turkey, Derrida, Belgium. Uh, but it, it can go, there's, um, uh, there'll be a lot of strong fences there and there'll be a, it'll be very hard for that one place, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think this uh, it's going to be exceptionally difficult for for them as always. But um, yeah, there's a there's a lot at stake, and there are some names there. I mean, you mentioned Will Deary. It's very easy for me to say that because he's my compatriot, and of course, uh, you know, when I'm not in the commentary box, I do support the British fences. Um, and I, you know, I think he's got a, a, a reasonably good chance. He's got to get himself ready and work out who he might face. But uh, look, uh, that is their one shot uh, coming up in April for zonal qualification. Um, let's let's go through the last couple of things then, Dave. Uh, are Japan going to use any of their host nation spots in men's or women's sabre? Obviously, I don't have any, any insight um, beyond, beyond speculation. Um, but the way I look at it is they only... They only need to drop one weapon. So, given they've qualified a team in men, uh, women's foil, and they've qualified a single athlete in the other five, that means they can have four out of the five remaining teams. I think they probably will select a men's saber with Yoshida Streets. They've got a couple of good athletes there to make a competitive team. Um, certainly, men's foil. Certainly, men's epee. They're superstars. Mm. So then it's really the, the toss-up between does they send a women's FA team or do they send a women's saber team? Um, I'd say based on quality, you might send a women's FA team over a women's saber team, possibly. So, yeah, that's my, my considered opinion is if there was a weapon in Japan or the Japan misses out putting a, a team in from their host nation places, I'd say it's women's saber. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. Um, okay, so um, that's that's Sabre uh, by by rankings sorted out. Um, now, Dave, I, I should apologise to you and to the audience. Uh, you probably sense that I there's, there's a little bit of tiredness in my voice. I'm, I'm a little bit jaded. Uh, you know, having not had any fencing for such a long time and then just consuming it, munching it down over the last few days, that on its own was... Um, you know, it was a bit energy sapping, I have to say. But yet again, you've come up with another crazy plan to uh, extend the reach of the fan base of the Tokyo 2020 Fencing Podcast. Uh, tell all. Yeah, so just uh, thought that, uh, I mean, obviously like catching up with my fencing friends and I, my view is that the best way to watch fencing is at the back of the stands with a beer in your hand. Uh, and unfortunately, we can't get on a plane and, and sit at the back of the stands in Budapest or Doha or Kazan and, and do that. So, what we've done is we've we've taken a zoom uh, a zoom capture of the of the FIE feed, and thankfully, between Bash and I, we've rustled up a few elite guests, including current world class fencers, uh, other podcast hosts. We've got Olympians, former Olympians. Uh, FIE referees, um, and basically we watch the fencing and, and we, we have a chat. Um, so it's um, I thought it was quite enjoyable. We we did we watched all of the finals for the the individual and the team saber, um, and yeah, got 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 plenty of eyeballs and lots of people seem to enjoy it. So I think we'll be doing it again for Kazan and Doha. 
Yeah, you've created fencing's first ever fan zone. And I've got to say, it was great. It was brilliant fun. Good to be involved. Uh, sadly for me, I, I, I can't be involved in, uh, in Kazan or Doha because uh, a couple of days' time, I am going to try and get to Russia and to Qatar to commentate at the, uh, the next two events. But uh, I'm told that you have some good guests lined up for, uh, for both of those events, in- including uh, uh, another commentary colleague of mine. That I think Graham Bell's going to join you for, uh, for the Kazan Epe. Uh, if, if we can get his ice skates off, I know he's he's a hard man to get a hold of at the moment <laughs> with all his uh, re, you know reality TV. You know, we, I aspire to such greatness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, you would definitely want him to have his ice skates off. I hear he's a bit dangerous with them on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, look, that was it was good, and I think everyone should uh, have a look at the Facebook page to get uh, news on uh, those upcoming fan zones. Really good to be involved, even if you're just sitting there watching, uh, you know, us uh, having a laugh and just chatting about fencing um, going on in the background. Uh, Dave, as always, uh, thank you very much. Cheers, Bash, and uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, coming up next time. We'll be doing a preview of the Kazan Epe World Cup.